Today I want to talk to you about Apostle John. And I know that may seem like a, a strange place to go the Sunday before Palm Sunday. But we're going to do the traditional thing come Palm Sunday and Easter. I promise you this. But I want to talk to you about the life of the Apostle John. Him and his brother, James, Jesus referred to them as the sons of thunder because of their intense and outspoken personalities. See, they had a way of delivering the truth in a way that upset the norm. The Gospel of John, you know, it comes right after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then it comes John. The Gospel of John is the only one of the four Gospels which contain a precise statement detailing its purpose. In chapter 20, verse 31, it reads, These, referring to the Gospel of John, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing may give life in his name. Now, I want to break that scripture down just a little further because on the surface, it sounds incredible. But until you understand the depth of the meaning, we cannot embrace the life intended in his name. The scripture is saying that the gospel of John is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Let's stop right there. Jesus is the Christ. We know him as Jesus Christ. But what does it mean when the word of God says that Jesus is the Christ? The Christ. The fact that the is part of the title indicates that there can only be one. And Christ is defined as Savior. The Christ is the giver of hope, the way to God. And when you put the back in place, the Christ means that whoever holds this title is the only Savior, is the only means of help, hope, is the only way to God. Jesus was not a prophet, not just a good person. He was the Christ. See, Palm Sunday means nothing to those who don't grasp this truth. And Easter will always be about Easter egg hunts and bunnies to those who don't embrace the significance and the totality of who Jesus was. Cancel the Easter egg hunts and everybody from the babies on up. Get on a hunt for truth about Jesus and the significance of his life of his death and of his resurrection. See, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they lay the foundation of the Gospel, bearing witness to the life of Jesus. But the Gospel of John was assigned with a little more intense mission. To us, John's thunderous personality and his unique way of delivering the truth, it dismisses is put in place to dismiss doubt, to eliminate the gray areas. See, because a lot of us want to be in between. There's no in between. It's either you're hot or you're cold. 
God says that that warm place, that middle place, that gray area is like vomit in his mouth. I want to tell you a little bit more about John. We seem to think for someone to be of God or be sent by God, they have to be perfect. They have to be sinless, without flaws, and incapable of making a mistake. If that is what you believe, I will make all of this really easy for you. Close your Bibles, because I can assure you, you will never find one from Genesis to Revelations other than Jesus who fits that description. John was the perfect example of how zealousness, passion, and ambition misused can be redirected and prove profitable for the kingdom. Plain and simple, John was a handful and one Jesus had to repeatedly correct before he became the John who would eventually write five New Testament books. He was a handful. Why do I say John was a handful? Let me give you two examples of what Jesus had to endure with John. In Mark 9, John was forbidding a man to cast out demons in Jesus' name. See, John's thinking was like some today. He thought, if you weren't given the anointing that me and the other disciples were given, then you have no authority to cast out demons using the name of the one who gave us authority. John was committed to the mindset of position, of the clique he was in. Do you get my drift? See, some people are so stuck on their title, their church, their denomination, that they are missing the whole meaning of what God is saying. But if you pay close attention, Jesus corrected him saying, don't forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon after speak evil of me. Jesus' point was, when one does anything in my name, the Holy Spirit is awakened and it moves, validating the power of my name. Jesus also wanted John to understand there is no neutral ground regarding one's belief in him. Either one is for him or is against him. Again, there is no middle of the road when it comes to your belief in Jesus the Christ. One either has faith in the power of his name or they don't. But John's position, his affiliation with Jesus, gave him no authority to discern who can call on the name of Jesus. Some think that you need to run to this one to have, your, have them lay their hands on you. Lay your hands on yourself. If you have a relationship with God, if you believe in Jesus the Christ, lay your hands on yourself. I'm going to tell you this. Some of us are so twisted and turned around and confused because we are allowing too many people, too many different people to speak in our lives and lay hands on us. When you don't need another mediator between you and Jesus. 
If you turn to Luke 9, you will see another example of all that Jesus had to correct and redirect with John. In Luke 9, John and his brother James, they wanted to call down fire from heaven and just kill those who refused to embrace Jesus Christ. John and his brother James, they were straight gangsters. They was, their mindset was, if you don't want to partner up with us, then fine, you die. I think John and James was a bit confused. They thought they were working for the Godfather instead of Father God. I researched the characteristics of thunder. And it further solidified why Jesus referred to John and James as the sons of thunder. A passage I read concerning the characteristics of thunder read like this. Even though thunderstorms are dangerous, they can be a great help. They give summer water, they cool the earth, and clean the air. Thunder brings lightning, which balances the earth's electricity and helps fertilize the soil. And after a thunderstorm, there is often a rainbow. You see, the most zealous, and the most off the chart, the most rambunctious personality, when submitted to Christ, can like thunder, cool the earth, clean the air, balance the atmosphere, fertilize and inspire growth, and illuminate rainbows, which in itself symbolizes the promises of God. So don't ever count someone out because of their personality. Just help them redirect what they have for the kingdom of God. We just need to help people see that everything in them can be used to give God glory. See, in spite of these youthful expressions of misdirected passions that John had, he began to understand the need for humility and those who desire to be great in the kingdom. John is the only gospel that records Jesus washing the disciples' feet. John also became known as John, the apostle of love. And I don't even know why this is popping in my head, but I want to say this to our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, our neighbors. Stop speaking damnation over that child's life because you can't see past the surface of their immediate actions. Let me tell you this. John's zeal for Jesus, it was influenced by natural ambition, yes but it was also influenced by a request made through his mother that he and his brother be seated on the right and the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom. We have to position and make a request of and for our children and then direct and redirect them according to the word of God. Be mindful that not only did John believe in Jesus and that Jesus was the Christ. He allowed Jesus' life to impact him. Jesus' simple act of servanthood must have impacted John greatly. 
because by the time of the crucifixion, Jesus had enough confidence in him that he turned the care of his mother over to John. A charge that John took very seriously. And from that day on, John cared for her as if she was his own mother. John's rash request for special honor in the kingdom had given way to a compassion and a humility that would characterize his ministry in his later years. What are you characterizing yourself in the kingdom as? And although John remained courageous and bold, his ambition was balanced by the humility that he learned at Jesus' feet. I wanted to enlighten and remind each of you today who the Apostle John was as we approach Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday because like John, we too need to learn how to use our uniqueness for the glory of the kingdom. For the next two weeks leading up to Easter, each of our good morning truths will come from the book of John. Because I want to continue to keep kingdom in the forefront of our minds. I haven't forgotten, we're on a kingdom mission. We must commit to being on one accord, understanding, embracing, and relaying the significance of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. I'm going to ask each of you a question, and I don't want you to answer it out loud. I just want this to be between you and Jesus. If someone was to come to you today and ask you to explain the significance of the life of Jesus, the significance of his death, the significance of his resurrection, could you, could you lead them to Christ? Could you get them to embrace Jesus as the Christ. That is just why I'm going to focus on the book of John for the next two weeks. Because I want you to actually understand the life, the death, and the resurrection. So by the time we get to Easter Sunday, oh, what a time of rejoicing that we will have because we will have a whole nother depth and level of revelation concerning not just his body on that cross, but what it meant every time they struck him, what it meant, the blood that was shed, what it meant on that cross. We have got to learn as believers how to relay that, how to relay that significance and apply it to our lives, be able to tell the story and walk in our godly assignments based on the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. Remember, when you start your day with truth, blessings throughout the remainder of the day is inevitable.